I started to explore um, prostate stimulation by just fingering myself. And then I had my first orgasm through fingering my prostate and jerking off at the same time. And it was like the most intense orgasm I've ever had and was like, holy shit. (laughs) No one told me. (laughs) No one told me that you could stimulate your prostate and have like the most intense orgasm. And it's completely different. Welcome to Sweet Release. Hi, Dan. Welcome. Hi. Welcome to Sweet Release. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I'm really happy you're here. You know, today we're mostly talking about anal pleasure, but also just kind of destigmatizing the shame that a lot of straight males feel around exploring butt stuff. And really just who you are as a person, because I think that's really fascinating. So we're going to get into all of it today. I'm very excited. (laughs) Um, I am basically the ambassador for straight men doing butt stuff. Um, I say that jokingly, but I literally kind of realized that there is a huge need for straight men to speak about it more openly Um, because there is a stigma around it as if having you know, sexual stimulation through your prostate, through your ass is like associated with gay men exclusively, which it's really not like there's so many stories that I've heard of straight men that are just like, no, I also love that, but they're not going to be public about it because there's the masculinity aspect. They're afraid of like having their masculinity be lessened because of that. Mm -hmm. Are you the guy in the friend group that's always like guys? This is what you got to do. <laughs> Let me teach you. <laughs> you know, I before I started doing OnlyFans, I was very shy about this topic. I've never been someone who's been very vocal or comfortable vocalizing my sexual exploration, my sexuality. Um, like everyone else, I felt like my entire upbringing, being an American kid growing up in the Midwest, it's like repress all of that and hide it away. God forbid you like talk about it and brush it it under the rug. And especially being a straight man, it's like, no, you got to just always project masculinity because that's, you know, what it is. And as I've gotten older and now I'm in my mid thirties and I've realized like one, no one gives a shit. Um, And two, you actually attract way more people that are willing to explore your sexuality together. You're willing to explore these fun, exciting new avenues of, of exploring sex and all the different aspects of that. If you're open about it and honest about what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy, even if you're afraid that that'll affect, um, you know, some women might be like, Oh, I don't, I'm not into guys that are like into that. Cause I only like masculine men or whatever, which, and you realize it's like, that's fine. Like that's totally cool too. But there are so many more women out there that, are going to be more receptive to someone who's that open and honest about it because it shows confidence Mm -hmm. in their sexuality um, where women can feel more comfortable exploring their sexuality with them together is what I feel right. From at least my experience too. I mean, vulnerability is sexy for a lot of women. The majority of people in general, it's just something you can connect on and yeah, feel comfortable in being yourself. Like you said, yeah, I I am in an interesting position where I never had a lot of success with women early on in my life. And I think that's because I looked so young for my age. Mm-hmm. I'm 36 years old. I still, you know, I still, I mean, it's 
blessed. I'm very fortunate now to, to look so much younger than I actually am. Um, but that worked the opposite when I was younger. And, uh, so now I'm kind of like feeling happy and, and fortunate, but at the time I struggled a lot to attract women. I felt like. So what was the, yeah. How did you first start exploring, um, your sexuality or just like sex in general? Was it, you said in the Midwest, it was tough. Like, did you deal with some shame and. Yeah, I think, um, I think I didn't start exploring until I got out to California. I moved to California when I was about 15 years old and, and had my formative years of growing and developing as a man in Los Angeles, growing up as a child actor. So as you can imagine, that's a very interesting, weird, unique experience that a lot of people can't necessarily relate to. But, you know, I, for the most part, had a normal childhood. Um, I just happened to be going to auditions and going to classes like at the community college as opposed to like going to a high school like I never went to a high school. So I never had the high school sexual exploration phase. So. Um, but I did get to explore at parties and, and, um, in my own community, but I just wasn't, I don't know. I didn't feel like I had, I didn't have the riz as the kids say now, you know, uh, (laughs) I didn't have that X factor at the time. Um, so I felt like I, yeah, I didn't start exploring until, um, really after I did this Disney channel show. And have my first long-term girlfriend whose parents live right next door, which is the weirdest part. I pulled up like, wait a minute. Um, so it's a, there's a weird full circle as to coming back here to talk about, to talk about this. my sexual exploration. Yeah. So she brought it out of you or did you kind of just feel comfortable being together to explore? It was my first real love relationship mm-hmm. where we got to explore love together and, and explore our sexuality together, which looking back was very cut and dry and vanilla and new and um, wasn't exactly like a spark of fire. Like I've started to experience more in my older, older years, um, and, which is natural, right? Your yeah, first long term. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. just like still <laughs> as awkward um, as you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So did you, uh, I mean, when did you start exploring um, butt stuff? Yes. Like, was that with a, a relationship? Was it with yourself? Like, how did it all? Okay. So here's, here's how it really happened. Okay. <laughs> um, and this is weird for me to talk about. I've never talked about this in a public forum before. And in fact, I have to, you know, ground myself to actually tell an honest answer about this. So I have always uh, been a fan of cartoons um, growing up. It's been a huge part of my life and I'm sure lots of other uh, young males' lives out there, cartoons, specifically the first time I ever masturbated and actually had an orgasm was from humping my bed while playing Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> this is a weird sentence that just came out of my mouth in public. <laughs> I but fully support it. This is from that a game? Tiffa Lockhart okay. is a female character in a game series called Final Fantasy VII. It's one of the most popular game series of all time. There's a love story involved in the video game as you're playing through, and you basically get to decide whether you want to fall in love with Eris, which is the sweet, gentle, uh, you know, main love interest in the story, or this side character, Tifa, who has big tits and is like 
the rugged, uh, more tomboyish kind of best friend character. And then so there's this love dynamic to this game that as a young, you know, kid in 12 years old who's playing video games for the first time and exploring this for the first time, maybe I was younger than that, nine, 10. Mm-hmm. So there's these things that introduce. So I got exposed to this interesting sexuality exploration thing as a very young child with these video games. So that's always been a part of it. So as I started to grow, mature, do porn exploration on my own, because the internet came into like, you know, we were able to look up pictures and print nude photos on the internet that took literally, you know, an hour and a half to download one photo (laughs) and print it out. But we had printed photos of like titties and we were like so excited. So anyway, um, but a part of that was uh, Japanese animation would do what's called hentai. Uh, which is, you know, pornographic material featuring uh, Japanese animation mm-hmm. characters. So as a part of that, there's a niche in Japanese um, hentai called futa, futanari, which is basically girls with dicks. Um, and for some reason, I've fall like fell into that rabbit hole and explored that. And there was something attractive about that to me. Um, this like this crossover of masculine feminine energy um, Mm -hmm. like really spoke to me. And as I'm looking back, so I dove into that side and there was like, I was very interested in that content and searched it out and masturbated to it a lot. As part of that is um, the male characters being dominated by these, um, you know, female characters with dicks and all sorts of aspects of that. So I had a lot of sexual energy attraction to that. And as I've gotten older, I've learned that I am equal parts masculine and feminine energy as a male, which is a really interesting thing to juggle um, in terms of like, how do I still maintain this, like my sense of masculinity while still opening myself up to that, um, you know, that passive energy, that being dominated energy that's still there. Um, And as I've gotten deeper into the lifestyle world, the the BDSM scene, all these other things that I'm able now able to explore. I'm realizing that like I am not alone. I'm not like special. I'm not different. There's so many straight men that have the exact same feelings as me. Um, so anyway, I started to explore um, prostate stimulation by just fingering myself, and then I had my first orgasm through fingering my prostate and jerking off at the same time, and it was like the most intense orgasm I've ever had and was like, holy shit. <laughs> no one told me. <laughs> no one told me that you could stimulate your prostate and have like the most intense orgasm. And it's completely different yeah. than any <laughs> orgasm I've had before. And that was just like, obviously at that point, you have to add it into your sexual um, routine. routine. Really, yeah. yeah, you got to <laughs> add it in to spice it up. There's this new way to to feel an orgasm that's as intense as anything I've ever felt. So that was, I mean, long story short, that's how I started to explore it and how I'm comfortable now talking about it um, and putting it out in my content as, you know, obviously I do OnlyFans content and as a straight man, I'm marketing to men because women don't subscribe to OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. Some do. Okay. There's a handful of women that subscribe to me. Very few. Yeah. Okay. That's just the nature of the game. So I had to market to gay men 
And this is a side of me that gay men are very attracted to the fact that there's a straight man that's open to expressing and putting out the kind of content that they would like. Obviously they really wish it was having sex with men, but I'm not gay. So I don't do that, but I push my uh, boundaries as far as I can go to give them the content that will still be like, well, it's not having sex with men, but it's damn close and good (laughs) enough for me. Um, So, yeah, so that's, that's kind of how that progressed. Um, Do you ever shoot with partners or is it mostly solo content for your OnlyFans? Just out of curiosity. For the first year, I just created solo content. And then um, when I was single, I started um, connecting with trans performers Mm -hmm. and started uh, working with trans performers because obviously uh, with my exploration of Futa Hentai led me to starting to explore, you know, hooking up with uh, trans women because mm-hmm. that is a natural kind of like synergistic um, aspect that was also very stigmatized, mm-hmm. right? There's not a lot of straight men there that are open about being attracted to trans women and uh, having sex with trans women as a straight man is very stigmatized, right? Is very uh once again like emasculated in the the general sense of of what the public kind of puts out there mm-hmm. um and once again i am hoping to kind of just put it out in the world that you know it, it was terrifying to put that content out in the world and just be like fuck it i don't care you know when you start doing only fans content you really have to accept that everyone in your life that you care about that you love is going to find out that you do porn for a living one and two, they're going to know every aspect of what kind of porn you do because it's the whole aspect of OnlyFans. The whole job is marketing it. And if no one knows about it, then you're not going to make any money. So you have to be comfortable in pushing your content out there and promoting it. And the fact that I had sex with trans women was something that was like newsworthy for a lot of people like, wow, this Dan is having sex with trans women on his only fans <laughs> as a straight man. That's crazy. Right. Um, or, it, you know, and now I'm in a position where it's not that crazy to me. Um, yeah, it's, it is. But I guess for most people that aren't exposed to it or have some sort of still in their heads, a stigma against it, like, whoa, he's like open about it and honest about it. And the scariest part of the whole thing was I wasn't scared about my parents finding out or, you know, the media finding out or what would they say or what would the comments be like on my Twitter, Instagram. Honestly, I love the buzz and feed and excitement, but I've definitely gotten to a point where like, I don't give a shit what people think about, you know, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm just, you know, doing my life and people are definitely not going to agree with everything. But what I was most concerned about was, am I still going to be able to find a partner Mm. that is accepting and open to everything that I've put out there. You know, how many women that I have to go on a first date with and it, how do I, how do you lead with that? You know, and you have to lead with it because Mm -hmm. otherwise you're kind of being an asshole to women. If you're not like, Hey, by the way, there's, I have this whole layer of things that you have to be able to be accepting of. Um, this is who I am. You know, obviously I don't have to throw it all on them at once, but Um, but I was very lucky and fortunate to find someone very special that was like, 
the first thing she said to me when we went on our date, um, my, my girlfriend now, my longtime girlfriend now, and uh, she was like, by the way, I know about your OnlyFans. I think it's cool. I have an OnlyFans too. Not a big deal. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> amazing. I just hit this plant. Okay, she's you know, happy. Is she okay? <laughs> sorry. So yeah, what, what was it like? Or how do you even share that to people that you date or t- to your partner? Is it just kind of, because I've had a, specifically I've had some listeners that feel discomfort in talking about anal pleasure specifically. I mean, I know your OnlyFans and all of that is uh, a little bit different, but how how would you recommend people like open up and, and share that part of them? Or, or how did you move through the shame and kind of be more communicative about it? I think it's, I think you don't have to lay it all on them at once. And I think it's something that uh, I was definitely open to one, I don't need that all the time, right? That's It's something that was a part of my single male sexual exploration because when you're single, you can just kind of, you know, you get bored with one set, you know, mm-hmm. one thing and porn. And you're obviously like, porn is your main aspect for me personally of, of how I was able to have sexual satisfaction. Um to be honest, I also was having pretty toxic, um, like unhealthy sexual practices of hooking up with lots of people, um, kind of in the hookup culture. Just, um, and I think there was definitely element of like a sexual addiction to these like one off hookups. And it was all about, there was a thrill in searching for a partner for these one-off hookups that felt um, risque or like I was doing something wrong. I definitely felt guilt every time I would like find someone and we'd both be in this like sexual, like thirst mode. And we would just get together and satisfy that sexual thing. And as soon as we were done, we both probably were like, uh, that was just us like, you know, exercising this. So I definitely feel like, um, I was lucky that I was able to take that energy and transfer it into a money-making venture of OnlyFans and how I was able to kind of justify this. But at the same time, looking back, I I feel like I definitely had the wrong way to go about it. So now that I'm in a relationship, um, my life has been infinitely better, especially with someone who is so open, so like honestly well more versed in sex their sexual comfort and they have explored for them um they're specifically in the lifestyle scene so i'm a bit fortunate whereas like i didn't anything that i would bring up in terms of anal play or these other aspects of kink that i was into she was like oh honey (laughs) that's adorable (laughs) but i've seen you have no idea what i've seen right so it's like i'm i'm not exactly the best person to talk about that specifically. But if I did meet someone um, just hypothetically, if I, mm-hmm. I met a new have, was in a new relationship with someone who was even um, newer to me, I would definitely um, come at it in a way that was slower, that didn't pile it all on at once, but just slowly brought them in to like, what, what do you think about this? Like, um, you know, I think that's hot when someone does that. Like, do you think that's hot? Like kind of, gauging what they think is is hot what they think is not and like what is sexy to them 
and then find where there's just like things there, like there's lots of space in between like what I think is hot, what, what they think are hot. And if, if there is a big gap, then you can kind of formulate a plan and strategy. If it's very important to you about introducing why it's important to you. And if you can meet in the middle ground to both satisfy your needs, but also not put them in a way where it's like, I need to have this or else we're done. And I think every relationship's different, but you have to kind of decide what you're willing to like give on in terms of your needs to meet with someone in the middle of their needs um, and how both parties are happy, comfortable, and enthusiastically consenting to what's going on. Mm -hmm. And in lifestyle, we talk about enthusiastic consent. Um, Like when you're going to uh, a sex party and you're having sex with multiple partners, you really look for enthusiastic consent. So I think trying to work with your partner to find where you meet in the middle and where there's space and then um, being willing to kind of adjust yourself as much as you feel is reasonable because you love that person. Um, And I think specifically my girlfriend now was in lifestyle before we met. And so she has had to adjust and, and rein back how deep she goes in her lifestyle exploration, which was much deeper than I was comfortable with Mm -hmm. at first, knowing that it will affect me. But at the same time, I also don't want her to not be herself. So we've really had to do this dance of exploring our each person's comfort level. And that all comes to communication, which I'm sure you can relate is like Mm -hmm. the most important thing as you're exploring sexual, um, you know, your sexual nature together with another person. Yeah. It's so, it's so important. And all of that was, was perfect. I, I totally agree. I feel like it's, it's sometimes scary. A lot of people have fear and and shame around talking about just the vulnerable parts of them and sex in general. And so the more that we can just be more comfortable and normalize it and open up. And like you said, take, you know, I always say baby steps and I think just going slow is so important. And yeah, finding that place where you can like overlap is crucial. So I just think everything you said was great. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I think that's perfect. Um, you talked like a little bit about kinks. So what kind of kinks are, are you into? I mean, I guess you've kind of said some already or, or toys or favorite toys that you like to play with if you're comfortable sharing. Yeah. So, um, the tool, the trade that I use more than any other is a flashlight. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're creating solo content, there's only so much you can just jerk off with your hand and have it be, you know, a fun experience for you and for everyone else involved. Um, so there's all sorts of different toys that I've been exploring and mainly I've never been a big toy guy before this. Um, I guess it's one of those things that if you don't know, you don't know, you don't like, if you've never had experience or someone hasn't showed you or, you know, you don't just go buy a bunch of sex toys for, um, for no reason. Well, maybe some people do. I don't know. (laughs) I didn't personally, I was, I was comfortable and just like, Oh, I'm satisfied with what I have. But as I've gotten to do more OnlyFans work and of course needed to constantly create new content every single day, what really helps is to start exploring the options in terms of toys. I think um, there's a fleshlight and then there's also um, these holders for a fleshlight. It's basically like um, a big um, thing with a slot that you put a fleshlight into that you can actually like grab onto, grab onto hold onto, lean over. Like there's a couple different positions for fleshlight. So you can actually 
a fleshlight for me did not work by just like jerking off my dick with a fleshlight. Like for me, I didn't really do anything. Um, I need to, I'm one of those people that needs to put my full body and like strain my muscles and feel like the contraction of my muscles to be able to help bring myself to orgasm one when I'm having sex, but also when I'm at home doing it on my own. So this was a great tool to be able to utilize, to put yourself in a sex position and have sex uh, using a toy while watching your favorite porn or whatever. Um, but yeah, so the fleshlight was like a great awakening for me and I'm sure plenty of people know about it, but, mm -hmm. uh, the holders and, and there's all sorts of different versions online. So definitely go and just like explore the different options, but there's like a doggy style one. There's a missionary one. There's all sorts of different holders, but I think that's the biggest game changer for me. Um, prostate massagers was as someone who likes anal stimulation, a big, um, incredible new tool that i was like yes oh my god yes um i actually once again you have to be more comfortable and open but starting to use dildos and like doing anal stimulation with toys takes it to a whole nother level um my girlfriend has recently my girlfriend and i create content together um and pegging is something that like didn't know i'd be into but now looking back and putting all the pieces together like getting pegged is something I'm really into. Right. So, and, and I'm fortunate enough. My girlfriend is really into, she is also uh, a switch, which means she's basically also equal parts, um, dominant and passive energy together. So she likes switching around to her roles. And so she's been having a lot of fun using a strap on and like pegging me. And like, she's been having a lot of fun exploring that side. So we both have just like, it's just like a perfect, match but it's um you know if that's something you're into definitely what i would do is like kind of gauge their interest in switching roles mm -hmm. just for fun to try it out right like but for the most part i think like everyone could probably have a little fun changing it up with yeah, the roles it's a, it's a it's a role play in a way yeah. but it's also just like exploring your sexuality exploring yourself and yeah, putting on a strap on is fun. It's empowering. It's empowering. Yeah. <laughs> so I can, I can relate. I've, I've, I'm similar. Well, I don't know if this is similar, but I, I had a, a bit of a, a late, um, kind of awakening to anal pleasure. I, well, I did fuck a guy with a strap on, um, first before fucking a woman mm -hmm. and, and that experience kind of scared me because <laughs> he like exploded like shit all over me. Oh. And I was at this like dungeon oh, bdsm no. club so it was like kind he of broke the first rule and, <laughs> and what's the first rule <laughs> always clean yeah always clean okay so do you always clean? of course i guess you only have to have one experience where you're like oh i see why they do this now <laughs> that was horrible That's i never always promote like it's okay if it like things get a little bit messy but just like be mindful of like what you're eating that day and like Try That's it. just inconsiderate. Though. Okay. So you, you say that you should always clean. Of course. Okay. It, it's like just basic hygiene of like, you know, what's happening, right? We know yeah. where this is going. So the least thing you could like, the least thing, the least you could do <laughs> is make sure that you've cleaned it out mm -hmm. uh, right before. Usually like if I'm going to a sex party, and I know I'm going to get pegged or something. I will definitely bring my my tools that allow me to flush out 
um, you know, the shit. So it's like, okay, my, my booty hole's so clean. clean. My booty hole's clean. So I know that I'm not going to like spray shit all over someone who's pegging me. Cause like, Jesus, <laughs> there's no better way to just absolutely ruin a, like a sexual experience. <sighs> it did ruin it for me. For yeah. A while. Probably. I can't believe you actually dove back in after well that. i never went back to a man's butt oh, so okay. i think i'm working my way see there, this is maybe? messed up now <laughs> this is ruined oh male's no. butts no i'm 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 dipping my toes we'll see i mean it's i've i've done a lot since then but yeah it's it's definitely it scarred me it did well now you know <laughs> to, to ask like hey are you have you cleaned out and if not you need to go clean out right now and then once you're clean out, then we're good, you know, but those are the conversations that are weird mm-hmm. that are that you feel like could ruin the the fun, exciting flow state that you're in when you're having these sexual experiences. But my God, the other side of it no, is so to. much worse, right? Yeah. Yeah. You have to talk about it for sure. Even if it's weird. I yeah. mean, I still feel, I mean, even doing this podcast, like the lights and all the cameras, yeah. like I still get nervous. I'm still like sweating, but it's like, you have to push through that. I'm, I'm doing so much good. And so even in, in a relationship, if you're ever worried about something, you just have to bring it up. And so I definitely. And I think we all build it up more in our heads, mm-hmm. like every single person, no matter what the topic is, you're in your head, it's going to be a much bigger deal than it then when it actually, when you have the conversation or you talk about it or it happens, it's way not, a, not as big a deal yeah, when it actually so happens, true. right? It is all in the head. <laughs> that is so true. Um, what else did I want to ask you? I would love to know, I guess, you know, before we wrap up, I do want to talk about like sweet release moments. You know, that last mm. time you had that sweet release, which is like an orgasm. I like to talk about that towards mm. the end of my episodes. <laughs> um, I, since we're talking about butt stuff, <laughs> mainly I'll talk about my last really exciting experience getting pegged by my girlfriend. It was at a big uh, sex party and I was nervous because we had this plan that she was going to use a strap on and peg me and like in a, sex party like environment which is really exciting and really fun but also like i'm nervous because like you know just like we talked about like what if something happens like what if i didn't clean out as much mm-hmm. and like now i'm you know there's a lot of uh, other scary things that come along with doing anal play um at a sex party that i'm sure the most well-versed people are like not that big a deal right it ha- you know it happens well, that's or whatever not something i've ever done at sex parties either mm-hmm. like yeah. it's something that i hold true and sacred i guess a little bit Mm. like i had a guest on recently and she was like kissing to me is the most like the highest form of intimacy Uh, and i was like interesting like i kiss everybody i kiss my girlfriends mm. like to me that's not intimate but anal pleasure for me is like something that i i hold true for relationships which does make sense because there is a certain amount of extra vulnerability Mm -hmm. with with i think that's what it is exploring that feels vulnerable i'm also someone who's like kissing is a little bit more intimate for me than other people. So I do hold that. Um, like I wouldn't just like make out with people, even if we were in a sexual like experience necessarily. Right. Like I would probably with more people I'm like closer to or whatever, but if, um, I'm exploring with someone kind of in a, a like back, back when I was single, I wouldn't, 
I definitely would not like try and make out with people that I knew was just like a, we're just having sex for fun and then like going to vanish from each other's lives immediately after. I wouldn't, I'd feel worse if I was like passionately making out with them mm. and then do it. Like there's something anyway. Um, but yeah, so it's interesting how d- people have different yeah, things different. that, that they hold more sacred and more intimate that they keep more reserved for their special partner. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, back to anal pleasure at a sex party, and let's not get, something I would do, but uh, so <laughs> maybe we, one day. we had the decision, like I was ready, um, to be like, let's do this, babe. Like, this is, this is going to be fun. I'm like really into it. Um, um, but then my girlfriend like tells someone like, Hey, we're going to go do this. And then like <laughs> this lady like yelled throughout the party, like, Oh, uh, she's going to peg Dan. Everybody come watch. <laughs> and I, I just like my face dropped. I was like, Oh Jesus. Oh, now no. there's so much pressure involved. But at the same time, you know what? I was born for this. <laughs> so I was like, you know, I was like, Oh, stop telling everyone. But then I was like, you know what? No. Fuck it. Bring let's get let's create a yeah, show here. because <laughs> um, it's also not something that a lot of people had been exposed to. Uh there wasn't a lot of female pegging males at these parties that have happened. Um, so this was like a thing for more than just me. It was like more people were like, oh, I want to see this. Holy shit. Um, so yeah, uh, there was not much room for us in the big sex pile. So we found our own little spot in the middle and um it took me a long time. And one of my friends at one point, you know, like it, we're like into it. And she's, uh, my poor girlfriend is like getting tired. Right. Cause it's hard to like perform and have an orgasm in with all these people watching. And there's a lot of pressure. And also, you know, you got to perform, uh, and I'm doing it while getting pegged. And my poor girlfriend is just like, Oh my God, like <laughs> exhausted. Right. Her, her like thrusting sex muscles haven't been quite as developed as mine over the years. Uh, and I was like, yeah, it's not so easy. Is it is it? not so easy. Can, okay. Now you understand. Um, is she like stroking you as she's thrusting or is that something that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. 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 Mainly it's me stroking myself, but, um, because poor girl, like she's got plenty to focus on when she's <laughs> pegging that's new for her. And she's like working on that and focusing on that. Um, but she was doing amazing. And then, but my, my friend like was like, Dan, hurry up. Like you're going to come yet or what? But anyway, uh, I made it, I did it. Uh, and it was like this huge, amazing orgasm. Um, and everyone at the party was like clapping, like golf clapping, like wonderful, wonderful job. And I was just like, yeah, I did it. And then I'm just covered in cum, like laying on my, (laughs) laying on my back was like, where am I? What this is my life. Uh, <laughs> but no, it was it was like a great, great time and a great story. And um those are the moments that I'm like excited to keep exploring. And and you know, there's all these things in my head that I built up, like, what if this happens? Like, what would it be like? And really in reality, um, what I've learned from people that are more versed in like exploring sex parties and exploring their sexual nature with more kink play or trying more things. What I loved and found interesting about it was the playfulness of it all. And when you're a single guy that's never been invited or there's, it's a secret world, right? You kind of have to have an in to get into these kind of um, parties and and know these people. Um, But I was struck by how in the movies and television, it's really serious. Sex things are really serious and sexy. And it's like, but in reality, it's just a bunch of people being playful and cracking jokes and having fun. And then, yes, like exploring, you know, s- switching partners and doing all these other things. 
um, you know, lots of tied up and spanking, uh, all sorts of these other kinks, you know, getting in a cage and, you know, sucking off multiple people in a cage or whatever it is. Right. But I was struck by like, it's not that serious. People are just playing and having fun. Um, and I loved that. I was like, yeah. that made me feel so much better, more comfortable. And I think, uh, it's way that for a lot, it's that way for a lot of people. Yeah. I always love calling sex parties, play parties or, yeah. or even having date nights, like playtime, you know, because it, to me, I feel very similarly. Like it's just, it's playtime. It's why, why wouldn't you want to have fun? <laughs> like, why don't you want to like, it's like going out with your friends, but maybe you end up naked in a pile of bodies together. Like why, why not? <laughs> why not? Yeah. So there's, I mean, of course there's, everyone's on different spectrums of that, but it's nice finding a community of people that like to do that too. Yeah. It's really fun. And it's something that as a, in someone in my mid twenties, early twenties that I was like, you always hope that that happens, but no one is comfortable or versed enough to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And it's something in my mid thirties. Now I'm like able to actually have these experiences and it's as fun and awesome as I dreamed about it being <laughs> in my twenties, um, Amazing. which has been super fun. I I'm, I'm definitely peaking as a human being in terms of just not giving a fuck and also having the most fun and finding other like-minded people who reject this, this stereotypical um, life has to be about finding one partner and you stay with them forever and you have sex with them no matter what, or you end up not having sex because of, you know, you've had sex the same way for 27 years right, and, you're, <laughs> and you're just like, okay, this is it forever. <laughs> and that's not like, I found a, a community of people that are pushing back against that. And I think also the world is so connected that that, and people are seem to be, you know, in the days of uh, the age of OnlyFans, people are much more open to exploring their sexual nature and, and pushing the boundaries of what, what is standard, what is, um, you know, what is normal. Yeah. And normalizing all of those taboo subjects. Absolutely. Which is one of my main goals. <laughs> and you're, this is awesome. Thank I'm, I'm you. super happy that you're doing this and, and I'm super happy that I was able to sit down with you and have conversations about these things that man, you, you can't normally do. There's not a forum for it basically, mm -hmm. um, for a lot of people. So I'm really happy that you're creating content, um, and, and, and amazing art that allows people to get exposed to this stuff. If they're, if their little community bubble doesn't allow them to mm -hmm. experience it. It's amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I did want to ask you a, another thing. Um, do you feel like when you're doing, you know, you're a content creator, you're an OnlyFans actor and, and even you like to go to sex parties and all that. Do you feel like you're always putting on a show? Like, have you learned that you, you're kind of an exhibitionist or uh, do you feel like that you're kind of exploring your body still and learning new things about you by opening up or yes i'm definitely always learning new things um i definitely feel like there's a lot of things that i do because other people are into them and i haven't really fully gotten to the place where it's like oh it's like it's cool for me but it's not something that really does it for me or whatever which is mm -hmm. fine i'm like um i'm i'm really happy because i'm I'm touching on all these different things and I've really opened my mind to be like, I want to, I'm, you don't know if you're going to really enjoy something until you try it. 
Um, so I've definitely been in this exploration phase, um, which has been great. So I've really, I'm starting to really find what I like and what I don't like. And, and that's really important as you grow into your sexual maturity, because you need to be able to communicate that with your partners or find stuff to explore together or find things that you really like and go deeper into that world. Um, uh, I like getting tied up. Uh, I learned I'm a rope bunny. So uh, I've been exposed mm. to Shibari and I've been suspended before. Oh, wow. Nice. And so that's, um, that was an amazing experience, but I had no idea that that was something I'd be into or what it would feel like. And um, you kind of have to just let go and fully allow someone to have full control over you. You really lose control over your body and you're tied up and you're hanging and you're like, there's nothing I can do. So they either let me down or I'm stuck here. Right. Then that, that like there's freedom in that. Um, I guess I even like your whole life, you have to be responsible that everything you have to like, make sure you got everything done. You got to do the dishes. Like there's all these responsibilities in your whole life that everyone's relying on you to get your things done, whether that's your job or your home life or whatever, even just having a partner, they're just going to expect you to, you know, pay attention to them at some point. So like there's pressure in every aspect of your life. And when you're tied up, hanging and suspended, they're literally the entire world vanishes. There's no responsibilities because you can't do anything. <laughs> and there's something so freeing, freeing in that yeah. for me. Um, and so, yeah, but there's also this side of it. That's like, it's also my job to create sexual content every day. And guess what? I don't want to jerk off every day. There's literally at points where I complain about having too much sex, which boohoo oh my gosh i feel so sorry for myself i have to have too so much sex well you have to find that balance how do you find the balance um it's sometimes just especially when you're creating content with your partner going like this is for us like we're we don't have to film everything um and and there's i did feel this guilt like there's this weird guilt when you're an only fans creator especially as a solo male every time i jerked off and i didn't film it i felt bad i felt like Ah, I could have made money could on that. Like thousand dollars. Damn it. it <laughs> God, I can't be like jerking off. And every cum shot is valuable. I only, I can only come so many times a week. True. Like literally. So there actually is like an opportunity cost associated with me jerking off just for myself, <laughs> which is weird. That's it's a funny. weird guilt to feel, but definitely there's a point where you're just like, look, you got to take care of yourself first. Uh, and there's definitely times where it's just like, no, this sex is for us. This is not for anyone else. And then there's times where I, we try and like pre-plan out things a little more like a day ahead. Schedule. Like, hey, I want to do a pegging video tomorrow. Let's do this. And then our sexuality, uh, our sexual, you know, relationship is more sporadic and feel and like, like just relying on spur of the moment. Um sexual things. And so now that that's kind of been worked out, I definitely feel better about, you know, it's easier to separate the work and sex life because the work stuff is a little bit more planned out mm -hmm. and the sex life for us is a little bit more like just what feels right. What's normal in a normal relationship. So it is, it is able, I am able to kind of separate those worlds. Yeah, it, it is important to do that. I, I always thought, you know, I, I contemplated um, going into, you know, I guess se sex working. I remember going to even like an interview um, years and years ago and there were all these rooms and I was telling her about 
I like to go to sex parties. And I was like, yeah, you know, I went home with a woman for the first time a couple of years ago. And so now I'm like dating couples and all these things. And she's like, you just would be perfect. And I was like, I don't know, like I'm looking around this space and I'm like, I don't know if I could come here and like, shoot. Um, and it was more like camming, I mm, think. Yeah. So like, you don't have your own schedule. Mm. Um, you're just meant to be there for certain hours. And it was just, I guess I, I like to listen to my body. So if something doesn't feel right for me, I'm like, you know what? That just didn't sit right. Yeah. So I'm not going to do that. But I do feel like there's, we're all so different and there's so many ways to find that balance and find, you know, like you said, you're a very sexual human being. And so why not, why not work and make, make a good living and you guys crush it. Thank I mean, you. How, how much, I mean, I don't know if you're comfortable sharing, but like, how much do you make or how much can you make on like a video or on subscription content per month? I mean, and maybe you do a bunch of different avenues, but. Yeah. So it's interesting when you start doing OnlyFans, it is a business um, and you have to run it that way. A lot of people just like, oh, I'll start up a page and I'm hot. So I'll just start put nudes out there and I'm going to get people following me because I'm hot. But the reality is, is like the, the market is so saturated like everyone has an OnlyFans, right? If that's just like kind of the nature of today. So it's just like kind of how live streaming was or live streaming is now. It's like everyone wants to be a content creator, live streamer, mm -hmm. especially in the gaming space. Like, oh, I love playing video games. I'd love to just like stream myself playing video games all day until you look at the reality of what it takes to become a streamer full time, which is streaming for eight to 11 hours a day, every single day to three or four people for the first couple of years enough to get a community put together. And then you have to nurture that community. So in the same way, uh, creating an OnlyFans and being successful with the OnlyFans business is the same way you have to, um, basically have full time to be able to create content all day or, or stream yourself on a platform to be able to thirst trap. Basically the whole job is thirst trapping, which, <laughs> you know, there's all sorts of moral, uh, arguments we can have about is thirst trapping. You know, someone commented on my thing the other day. It's like, what value do you create for society? Like you're, this is like terrible. And it's like, you know, you got a point. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I don't owe you shit. You know, I worked hard mm -hmm. my entire life to build it to the point where I could create a business from this. Uh, and also they don't understand um, all of the stuff that goes behind the scenes to build a business like that. And it's, it's basically, it's 10% creating the content and 90% marketing it every single day in creative ways, whether mm -hmm. that's live streaming, uh, on cam sites, whether that's, uh, doing a live stream where you create some other content, but happens to showcase your, um, best aspects of people where they build a parasocial relationship with you and want to explore their sexual nature with you. Um, Basically, you can basically count if I had advice for someone who's starting an OnlyFans today, I would say you need to give away your content for free and it's got to be good. You got to be hot. You got to be in shape. You got to be like or you have to find your niche. What is your niche? Right. There's people who are they like uh, heavyweight people. There's people who like uh, certain they love feet content. There's people that like, you know, so there's things that like, OK, if you want to be okay, let's just say that like, okay, I don't have anything special about me, but I want to create foot content. Like I'm love feet content as well. I want to create content for that. It's like, okay, well, the people that I've talked to that create feet content, the stuff that does the best are like 
when they're like sticking their feet in pudding and doing all these fun, <laughs> crazy, exciting things with your feet involved, but like is way out of the box. And um, so you have to find Be unique. You have to find what makes you unique and, and, but you have to create that content every single day and you have to put it out there. Um, my suggestion was, I didn't know this when I started, but on Twitter allows Twitter allows porn. Yeah. And there's a huge community of people who love consuming con- porn content on Twitter. So I would definitely, if I started over again, that would be the first thing I do is build a Twitter, put out good content. Uh, put it on other creators that have similar type of content. I would go and engage with those content creators, put my content in those threads and build a following um, from that. Mm -hmm. Then after the first year, I would look to launch an OnlyFans monetizing and you can basically count on monetizing one to 2% of your followers. 2% would be very good. If you monetize, like get 2% of your followers to subscribe to your page, you're, you're doing really, really, really well, which sounds low, right? That sounds like mm-hmm. a low percentage, but in terms of marketing and content creation, that's really good. Huh. Um, so you can basically count in your head, like, can I make a living from this? Well, you can gauge, well, if I monetized 1% of my following, which is more realistic, could I survive? And so that's how you can kind of know when to launch, what to launch, and then what content. If you built that big of following doing free content, you know what content does well and what doesn't at Mm -hmm. that point. Because you can look at your historical data of like what posts did well, what posts did not do well. Okay, this is the content. You'll see common threads of like, I do really well in this space. So I'm going to stick to this. I'm going to go full uh, force into this space and I'm going to be the best creator in this space. Whatever it is, right? Everyone has a niche. It can be as generic or as specific as possible but you got to know what that but is yeah finding that yeah um, but i make advice. a lot of money doing OnlyFans to answer your question <laughs> I say, okay, because i got you. good at that and also i was fortunate enough to get a lot of media coverage because i was the disney actor that right. turned into porn star like mm-hmm. that's a big um that's a big headline yeah it's a big headline right and i knew that and so i leaned into that and i continue to create content that some of the content that does the best for me, it like in terms of like marketing promotion content, um, obviously is me putting my my sexual videos out for free in small clips. Those do really well because people like free stuff and they love seeing people fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm selling sex. It's really it's, I've been selling a lot of things throughout my entire life. Turns out selling sex is the easiest thing I've ever done. It's very <laughs> fun to sell something that everyone wants already. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Um, yeah, it's it's really you have to know what's going to get headlines and use that use to that your to advantage. advantage. Yeah, because yeah. it's 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 invaluable. Um, and how do you deal with like the people that do come out like the haters or just people that say, oh, he's gay or how do you deal with that? Because I do also have some listeners that feel, you know, question their sexuality if yeah. they're interested in anal pleasure. And I just feel like those are two different things. They're, they're very different things. You can kind of tell, like, do you look at a hot guy and are like, I really want to have sex with him. That's usually a good get. I don't have that. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I'm definitely at a point where like that guy's hot. I can tell that's an attractive man. That's great. But the thought of having sex with him, I'm like, no, I don't know. That just doesn't work for me. Um, Mm -hmm. but I still love like, for example, like 
trans women. Someone was like, there's lots of gay men that look at me having sex with trans women and go like, he's obviously gay. Like, there it is. There's the proof right there. And, it, and I have to explain to them like, no, they are women. Um, I am not attracted to uh, trans men, uh, for example. I'm not, I'm attracted to women, females. Right, that energy. That happen to have a dick. And so I like sucking trans women's dicks and he's like well he they he likes sucking dick that's it he's gay and i really i just i trust me if i if i was gay in, in any little bit and maybe that is gay a little bit but i don't know but like if i was like attracted to men mm-hmm. even a little bit i would make so much fucking money <laughs> by doing that, it. that by doing it i would be insane not to have done it at this point <laughs> So I truly know, no, I'm not gay, even though I love sucking dick and getting fucked in my ass. And I I still know I'm not gay. Mm -hmm. So and there's all these lines that like people can't tell you what your sexuality is. They don't know. And it doesn't matter what you're into. Unless it's specifically that thing of like, I'm attracted to the other sex or I'm attracted to the same sex. Um, you and it, it and sexuality is not black and white. Yeah, it's a huge spectrum. It's a spectrum. There's going to be so many um, people that fall in between other categories. Mm-hmm. That you, how do you classify? Uh, okay, I'm only attracted to men in this very specific circumstance, and not all of these other kinds of men, but the specific man. Like, how do you classify that? I don't know. I don't have the answers, but it, I know for a fact that it's not stamped you know you're gay no matter what and also like okay if you're a little gay who cares who cares uh (laughs) you are who you are you are who you are exactly yeah so it's really cool that you found comfort in who you are because so many of us are scared to just be who we are and so I'm grateful for you for coming on and and being so vulnerable. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been an absolute blast. And also it's allowed me to explore because sometimes you think about things in your head and you, but it's different when you actually vocalize it, Mm -hmm. you actually get more clarity in your thoughts and by talking about it, Um, which is, this has been, it's been therapeutic almost. This is, I felt like we've been in therapy. (laughs) I love that for us and for you. I love that for us. (laughs) Well, thanks again, Dan. I really appreciate you being here and thank you for having me. Appreciate your time. Absolutely. Cheers to anal pleasure. Cheers to anal pleasure. Let's do it. Let's all dive in. If you've never done it, now's the time. Give it a try. (laughs) Thank you.